Inspiring and empowering women to embrace their leadership ambition is so important and never more so than in young women. Today I'm speaking to Alexia Hilberti Du, Chief Executive of Girl Boss. She's out there inspiring and empowering young women to embrace technology and enterprise and their ambition to be the leaders of the future. Grit in the Oyster with me, Penny DeVolk. A conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders, exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice. An opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to tune out some of the noise, and tune into being the best leader you can be. Well, hello from Red Beach, Whangaparoa Peninsula, just north of Auckland, New Zealand, where today I'm speaking with Alexia Hilbertidou, founder and chief executive of Girl Boss New Zealand. The Girl Boss mission is to close the gender gap in science, technology, engineering, maths, entrepreneurship and leadership. Girl Boss has over 10,500 members and an Australian offshoot called Change Maker. Alexia is the former intern of uh, at New Zealand Treasury, a 2016 winner of Westpac's Women of Influence Award. She received a scholarship from the Ministry of Education last year for her work on supporting the national objective of generating economic growth through science, technology, engineering, maths and innovation. She's been to Buckingham Palace, where she was presented with the Queen's Young Leaders Award. She made the Queen laugh, apparently. She's been in Silicon Valley this year as she won the Facebook's Leadership Award for Community Leaders. And Alexia is 19 years old. She founded Girl Boss in 2016. Alexia, what a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Penny. It's great to be here. Hey, tell me about you. Tell me your story and why Girl Boss. Yes, well, hello. Um, my name's Alexia. I'm part Greek, part Samoan. I'm 19 years old and the founder of Girlboss New Zealand. And from a young age, I've been absolutely passionate about STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and maths. Uh, and from, you know, from the age of eight, I decided that IT was the place for me. Uh, I remember I looked at a CV I created when I was in primary school and I listed my hobbies as uh, I like making PowerPoints and I like playing on the computer, <laughs> which is quite funny because now I go around, I speak to around 30,000 New Zealanders each year, and that involves making a lot of PowerPoints. So, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but yeah, from that young age, I decided that IT was the place for me. Well-paid, sedentary. Now, most people think sedentary is a bad thing for a job, but I was never good at PE, so <laughs> that was um, IT. That was that a another box. Yeah, that yeah. was a selling point. But what I noticed was as I started to get older, that passion made me feel isolated. Uh, when I was in high school, I was the only girl in my IT class. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in year 13, the only girl studying advanced physics. And I'll go to coding competitions and science competitions and regularly be one of two, three young women in the room. And I just couldn't understand where my friends were so competent and intelligent, yet weren't always having the confidence to step into these fields. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel very alone. I started to question whether or not it was the place for me. Uh, and I looked and I did my research and I realized there was no network out there for high school age young women passionate about male dominated industries. So for a network for a modern, ambitious yep. young woman. And so it would have been a lot easier to join someone else's network, I do have to admit, but spurred by the words of Emma Watson, who said, if not me, then who? Mm -hmm. And if not now, then when? And at 16, I started Girl Boss New Zealand. 
Brilliant. And it's been an incredible journey. So right now I'm 19. I work full-time on the organization. My yeah. mum works full-time on the organization. Yeah. My auntie works for Girl Boss. It's a bit of a family affair. And we run programs in 55 schools around empowering young women. That's brilliant. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the programs. What do the programs look like, Alexia? Yeah, so we run in-school workshops, two-hour workshops on emphasizing the social purpose of science and technology careers. So showing young women how they can reach their full potential uh, and impact their communities by developing their STEM skills. Mm -hmm. Something I'm really, really passionate about is how do we emphasize that social purpose? Because mm -hmm. when we ask young people to think of a career which helps, um, helps them, that's actually the number one key career value for young women. They want to go into a career path which they feel they can make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're really clear mm -hmm. that they want to do meaningful work. They really want to do meaningful work. But uh, they're not always sure the best the best way to step into that. So what we really want to do is actually encourage them, how can you make an impact by developing your STEM skills? And there's, there's actually a story I share to sort of emphasize yeah. that. So uh, a good friend of mine, she's 18, her name's Natalie Hampton, and she has a really powerful story. So when she was in intermediate school in year seven and eight, like so many other young people across the world, unfortunately, she was a victim of bullying. Mm -hmm. She was cyber bullied, verbally bullied, physically bullied. When she'd walk to school, she'd get pushed down the stairs. Mm. And every single day throughout year seven and eight, she sat alone at lunchtime. Not for one day did she have someone to sit with at lunch. So she would have been 10, 11? Yeah, 10, 11. Yeah. She was lucky and she was able to move to a high school in a different area and start to get friends and move past that. But she always thought back, What's something that I can do to make sure no other young person goes through what I went through? Uh -huh. And she was passionate about technology. She had those digital skills and she created an app called Sit With Us, okay. which is a lunchtime planning app to ensure nobody eats alone at lunchtime. And nice. now just over a year and a half, she's got 100,000 active monthly users. With Sit With Us. Yes, with Sit With Us. And I just think it's such an incredible story because she's a completely normal teenage girl. I, I know her. And we were sitting together once and we were sitting in New York and we were eating breakfast and she could pull up an app tracker on her phone and see that thousands of people had logged into the app. And I just think that's such a powerful story mm. around how you can amplify your impact by developing your STEM skills. Yeah. See, her passion was bullying. Yes. And she could have spoken in her school's assembly about bullying, impacted mm -hmm. a couple hundred people, wrote in her school's newspaper, impacted a couple thousand people. But because she had STEM skills, she's able to impact hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It's a sort of message that I want to get around. So regardless of your passion, if you have digital capabilities, science yeah. capabilities, entrepreneurial skills, yeah. it's only ever going to amplify your impact. Mm -hmm. So I think at one stage uh, at school as well, you, as you became increasingly mm. conscious that mm. you were getting more and more alone as a young woman at school, I think you won a coding competition and were surprised at the response you yeah. got. Yeah, when I was in high school, I was the only girl in my school's IT class and I won a big national coding competition. So mm -hmm. after two days of prep and coding, I was delighted to be announced a winner. And you know, this was really my moment. It was the incredible uh, technology job. I was uh, 16 I just won a $30,000 prize package, of yeah. a paid job at IBM, all the technology equipment I can Fabulous. imagine. Yeah, huge and, achievement. Yeah, and, and a scholarship to university as well. And you know, I was feeling pretty cool. I have yeah. to admit, you know, I was expecting a bit this of fanfare. This is good, yeah. <laughs> a bit of fanfare when I walked into the room. You know, my teacher announced the news to the class, my proud teacher. 
you know, I was expecting maybe a round of applause, a slap on the back, maybe my computer and the computer lab would be engraved. You know, this was the sort of thing. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I was expecting. That's a normal Alexia expectation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and still I got a completely different response. You only won because you're a girl. Wow. They probably just wanted you for the promotional ads. I thought that was quite the compliment. <laughs> Uh, boys' brains are bigger than girls' brains, and that's why they're not in technology. It's been scientifically proven. It's wow, this is three years yes, ago. You had 16-year-old boys telling you. Yeah, 2015. And I remember sitting there and feeling, you know, very alone, mm -hmm. surprised, uh, feeling intimidated, actually starting to feel a bit angry. Yeah. And I started to question and wonder, are other young women out there going through what I'm going through? Mm -hmm. Are the other young women sitting alone in IT classes or in coding competitions or in even business and pitching competitions feeling like questioning whether or not this is a path for them? And having their confidence diminished. Exactly, exactly. And they say injustice is a great place for resolve to take hold. And that experience and the injustice of it was one of the reasons which spurred me to start Girl Boss New Zealand, to yeah. create a community where young women no longer feel alone and they can stick to their path and have mm -hmm. that impact. That's fantastic. So tell me, what are your ambitions for Girl Boss? Yeah, my ambitions for Girl Boss is to keep, keep growing, to want every young woman to go through a program in New Zealand. Yeah. And we've got huge demands from schools, so we just have 88 schools on our waiting list. Wow. So really keeping up with that demand. It's been incredible, incredible growth mm -hmm. in just two years uh, to now the the largest young women's network in, in the country. Uh, and so continuing to, to grow that impact and also to move some of our impact online. So creating an online mentoring platform yeah. to provide on-demand real-time access to mentors. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Now tell me, Alexia, what do you see as um, we've talked about, um, you know, STEM in particular, uh, and how disappointing it is that there's still these um, gender stereotypes, you know, that have been long debunked, mm. that are getting in the way of women and young women stepping mm -hmm. into careers where they could absolutely be their best. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges for young women at the moment? stepping into leadership roles in particular, because I know part of the girl boss piece is, you know, there just aren't enough women chief executives out there. Oh, exactly. So our slogan for girl boss is only 2% of NZX CEOs are women. We're changing that. Yeah. And I really believe that developing STEM skills is a good way to um, get more female CEOs as yeah. well. And so there's three major reasons. And, and this is what the study shows as well. And we've identified our three focus areas. So. The first one's around lack of representation. Mm -hmm. So young women can't be what they can't see. And if they're imagining in their head, what does a boss look like? Yeah. What does a CEO look like? What does an engineer look like? And it's so far from what they can see in the mirror. This is a huge barrier to them. Yep. Uh, we like to do this little social experiment in Girl Boss where we ask people to go on their phone and go into Google Images and type in boss cartoon character. And I, I challenge anyone to do this because when you type it in, you'll see that uh, often on the first page of Google, not one woman is, is seen in that, um, yep. on that first page. Uh, second is around 
uh, misconceptions of difficulty and around lack of confidence. So we see from the age of six, young women already have less confidence than their male peers. Mm -hmm. And we see we could see this through a study which was done where they went into uh, elementary school and primary schools and they asked these young children, draw a picture of someone who's really smart and really good at their job. And they'll see at the age of six, girls and boys were already more likely to draw a picture of a boy. Yeah. Uh, and then that confidence goes right the way through. Uh, if we look at uh, school grades in New Zealand, we see that women outperform men in every subject except maths, where their grades are equal. So their grades are equal in math, but if you ask them to rate their math confidence, it's 33% lower. Yeah. So they're as good, but they think they have 33% less ability. I really believe math schools and those hard schools can hold women back if they don't think that they don't feel confident talking yeah. about the numbers. They don't feel confident mm -hmm. talking about money because there's so much guilt around that. Uh, if they don't feel confident having conversations about profit and, you know, I, I, I'm friends with a lot of different young entrepreneurs and yeah. I see huge differences, uh, you know, with young entrepreneurs under the age of 25 between male and female young entrepreneurs. So, you know, the, my male entrepreneur friends, and, and they are my friends, but, you know, they, they sort of rock in and they sort of say how they're going to be the next Elon yeah. Musk and yeah. they're going to be, you know, they oh, you know, they say, oh, I'm looking into Silicon Valley investment before they've even created their company website sort yeah. of thing. And then, you know, I was talking to a, a female entrepreneur and she said, oh, I'm just so passionate about it. It's, to me, it's not really about making money. I was just so confused because it, it wasn't a charity. It wasn't even a social enterprise. It was a for-profit business. But I mean, what investor really wants to hear that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not really about making money. And I actually had these two conversations within a two-day gap between them. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, we've really got to make sure we can strip away that guilt. Yeah. Because <laughs> and that, that is not a, it's not a trade-off. It's exactly. not a zero-sum. You can be really interested and profitable. And that will, as you say, amplify the impact that your purpose-driven business can make. A hundred percent. But you see a lot of young women less confident with talking about the money. Exactly. And we're actually launching a program next year called Getting Paid as Her Forte. Yep. Uh, which is around looking at developing financial capabilities in young women. Something mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about. You know, another another conversation I had, uh, my mum, sorry, my mum's, uh, so my mum's friend, yeah. she was a 55-year-old woman uh, and uh, she'd split from her husband and you know things were looking a bit tight financially yeah. and so she rented out the bottom room of her house and my mum said oh you know that's fantastic get great to get some good financial income to, to support you and she yeah. said oh I'm not doing it for the money and my mum said well then what are you doing it for and she said oh I suppose it does help I thought why are we feeling well, the apologize need to, for to that. apologize yeah. or to police, police what we're doing you know I even I, I see that conversation you know I go and I talk to young women about their career ambitions and I often see the mum sort of step in and they say things like, oh, well, it's not about the money, just do whatever you're passionate about. But, you know, they, they kind of, this lie I believe we've told young people, which is that financial security uh, and your passion have to be opposites. You know, we see it, mutually exactly, we yeah. see it in movies with the lawyer throwing in the towel to be a dancer, you know. Yeah. And, and it is an unhelpful stereotype. It is an unhelpful women. stereotype. Yeah. A very unhelpful stereotype for women. And actually, we need to be showing young people, uh, moving them from sort of, I like to not use the word passion so much, because I think the word passion confuses young people. Yes. You know, I if you ask young people what their passions are, they probably go Netflix, hanging with their friends, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, you know, going for walks. I'm not sure. But 
Um, and then you're trying to connect those passions to a pain career path and it's very difficult. But what I like to do when I'm mentoring young young women is say, what is your purpose? What's the problem you want to solve? What's the difference you want what to make? What will your legacy be? Exactly. And, you know, I think back to Nadia Lynn, who has got a, a food delivery empire here in New Zealand. And if you had asked her when she was younger, Nadia, what's your passion? She would have said cooking, yes, right? Yeah. And, you know, cooking, you go a chef and that that would be sort of sort of it, I suppose. But if you'd asked her, hey, Nadia, what's your purpose? And something she talks a lot about in interviews, which is I want more families to have home cooking experiences yep. in their home. And so what her business does is it enable more people to have home cooking, healthy home cooking. And I just think, you know, once you in, uh, allow yourself to think purpose and then think how can I commercialize that purpose and how can I scale that and how can I be more creative around how I can work in that passion or purpose field. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. So people don't get into that kind of headspace of I'm trading off my integrity. Yes. Which, you yes. know, often you hear and while, you know, it shouldn't be about the money. It's yes. actually, you know, I'm doing this for, well, for what? Yes. And as you say, the difference between passion and purpose, that's really interesting. Purpose is something mm. that should fuel people's courage to actually ask money exactly. and to commercialize things, to amplify yes. their impact. I don't think there's as many connotations around the, the mm -hmm. word purpose. We the word passion. It's quite charged, isn't it? Mm. And it feels mm -hmm. very much like, well, that's my fundamental value and anything commercial might compromise that. Exactly. Do you exactly. see, you talked about your men, uh, you, you know, your male friends and your female friends. So you see that sort of trade-off more prevalent with females? So the guys are happy to talk about what they're passionate about and commercialising it more 100%, naturally? 100%, yes. I, I definitely see very, uh, a lot less guilt and a lot more confidence to talk mm. about money. Um, and, you know, I remember even when I was in high school, you know, 18-year-old, 17-year-old young woman not even knowing what their own house was worth. Right. And I remember one of my um, male friends sold his house and I, it's always a bit cheeky, I, was, I always didn't really have these money guilt things. But I said, <laughs> oh, how much did you sell it for? I was quite interested. Um, and, you know, I remember my female friends going, oh, they're all gasping. Alexia, you can't ask that. So that was quite bold. Yes, they thought or maybe like, even inappropriate. Yeah, they thought they thought it was inappropriate. I don't know. I was like, oh, is it? Um, <laughs> Would it have been inappropriate for one of their male friends to have asked? Yeah, well, that's what I wondered. I was like, well, are males policing themselves that way? And, and they didn't even know their own house, what their own house was worth. And I don't believe their mothers were, were talking to them about finances or yeah. And they were thinking that that was inappropriate to even ask questions around that. I suppose maybe it is inappropriate to ask people how much they sold their house for. But it's a good, curious question. <laughs> it's just curious, they don't have to tell you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but still, I think all young women should should know the fundamental yeah. finances or how much their parents are paying in a mortgage, you know, some yeah. sort of these basic conversations. You know, actually, I, this was another one, but I, I was talking to a friend who didn't even know that their parents had a mortgage. Because I thought their parents told them we've bought their house, and so they thought that meant they owned their wow, house. Wow! So they hadn't even been <laughs> exposed to the notion of debt no, or mortgage. No, and they, you know, they were eighteen years old, and I was thinking, they said, "Oh, but my parents said that they owned the house, not that the bank owned the house." When I was trying to explain to them what mortgage was, and they did indeed have a mortgage. But I thought, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that is, at 18 years old, we need to be having more financial literacy yeah, than Just that. to equip you for <laughs> your career. Not exactly. That, not to mention your life. Exactly. And if that's their, their sort of views, how are we supposed to expect them in 20, 30 years' time to be able to sit in the, the boardroom yeah. and have conversations around, around profit and, and talk about money in those yeah. settings when they're not even comfortable to talk about yeah, it? in their and, personal lives. Exactly, yeah. on a basic level. Yeah. Alexia, you talked about role models. Mm. You can't be what you can't see. When you look at, um, you know, we still know that there are a small percentage uh, of women, proportionate to women in the workforce, who move into senior roles, into leadership roles. Mm. What do you see out there when you look at chief execs who are female and senior leaders? Yeah, so in New Zealand, currently only 2% of our NZX CEOs are women. If we look at our board positions, we're seeing nearly half of uh, NZ boards have one or less females yeah. on it. Uh, so we're seeing that this is a definite, a real, real issue. I actually recall a conversation I had with Mei Chen, who's a premier New Zealand lawyer. We were talking about this and she actually turned to me and she said, Alexia, I'm old. She said, Alexia, I'm old and I've been in leadership positions for decades now and people have been saying to me for years don't worry may women are coming up in the pipeline you just need to be patient and then she said to me well they must have died in that pipeline <laughs> exactly because, because it's frozen yeah. <laughs> yes she said because it's been years and where are they where yeah. are these women and if we look at the global gender gap report, mm. we see that we went backwards last year in terms yeah. of overall gender gap, but generally we're making slow and steady progress. But pretty glacial. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm not that excited by slow no. and steady progress. And my attention span is measured in seconds, yeah. not years. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm really passionate about my generation being the one to finally slice those numbers up and, and change that yeah once and be a, dis a real disruptor and that's exactly. the you know challenge is, is that you know i'm old too so in you know our day it was like oh gosh it's all changed now we're mm. the first generation who will probably have professional careers mm. and very interested as i am in some of the more subtle barriers mm. in organizations and in stereotyping and in ourselves yes. that you know the two-way street of of mm. what that doesn't make women victims but it does make it for quite needing to get some insight into what's going on. How do you see yourself being able to equip through Girlboss young women to be more disruptive, to accelerate the glacial progress that has taken part in the last, what, 40 years, really? So we have conversations with young women around gender equality. Yeah. We have conversations with young women talking about these statistics. And young women are surprised. You know, I asked them what percent of NZX CEOs are women, and they're going 40%, okay. 35%, 38%, you know, it's 2%. So, you know, they're not always aware um, of what the statistics are. And I, I do believe it's important that young women are aware. Informed. And, yes, so you and, start with informed. Exactly. I don't believe it fosters a victim mindset. I believe it fosters actually, you know what, I'm going to change that mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's important that young women are prepared so that if they do face barriers later, they actually can see it for what it is. Yes. They don't go, oh, I didn't, 
you know it I'm, must be me it must be me you actually you know perhaps something else is at play here yeah um and you know when we look at the research we see men are more likely to blame external factors yeah. for failure women will internalize exactly. it yeah. oh i was just lucky yes. if something good goes exactly. well or gosh it must be me if you're exactly. if something fails as opposed to what can i learn exactly from this? And so young women need to be aware mm-hmm. of potential conflict yeah. Yeah. and obstacles. obstacles and then what strategies can they deploy in 100%. themselves to make sure they respond exactly. to those obstacles with insight and good humor and as you say not being a victim to them but also really understanding how they might need to navigate things yes. they, they need to be aware so yeah. that they can navigate it successfully there's yeah. no point sending in young women blind yeah uh, unaware of obstacles they may face mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. so what do you see the biggest challenge for young women at the moment we've talked about a number of things some of it is, you know, gender role stereotyping, confidence, um, you know, how they're going to go out and be prepared in the world. If, they, if you had a magic wand, which mm. I've got a feeling you might just have, uh, what would be the one thing you would wish for young women today? I mean, uh, first one is really around building community. So I think a lot of young women, especially ambitious young women, can, can feel isolated and they start to, to question whether or not they're on the right path. Okay. I work with young women who are aspiring to go into generally male-dominated industries, so in entrepreneurship, leadership, science and technology. And, you know, I see them have a lot of passion, but then when they step in the lecture hall and they're one of two, three young women in the yeah. room, they start to doubt themselves mm-hmm. and then sig- research shows significantly more likely to fall out of that career. So I think yeah. building that community and making them feel like, you know what, I deserve to be here. I deserve mm-hmm. to be in this room and I've got a lot of value to give. I think that's really important. Yeah, that's mm. huge. Mm. And uh, Girl Boss is a component part of building that community. Exactly. Do exactly. you have international ambitions, global ambitions? Yeah, so we've uh, we've got Changemaker Australia, yeah. which is doing really well and that's been all youth led which is really exciting so really how do we develop other young women out there to develop their leadership skills and I believe that leadership is best home through execution so we encourage young women we've had young women who've organized conferences and hackathons in Australia they're learning by doing exactly which is exactly building confidence in that in that in that way as well yeah Uh, but really we just got back from the Cook Islands and Mm -hmm. we ran uh, four workshops over there, which is really, really exciting. But I'd love to uh, expand further and do workshops in more countries as yeah. well. Mm. That's fantastic. What do you? What's the message you would give to schools? If there's teachers out there listening, what was there's one thing that you would like to land with uh, with with schools? What do they need to hear from you? So I work a lot with the science and technology yeah. departments and you know these teachers are so committed and they're desperate for more young women to take these subjects. They're seeing that already uh, young women are choosing to take the what they perceive as the easier math or the easier science and they're not they're not ch- uh, challenging themselves to the same extent. Right. And you know I saw that when when I was in high school. So we had physics right up until the last year. We could choose between advanced physics and normal physics. And it was your choice what you chose. And I remember looking around the the classroom on the first day of advanced physics and seeing not one woman in that room. And, you know, some of my friends were getting really high grades, but they thought, oh, I can't take the advanced physics. And then I had another one of my friends sitting next to me, and he barely passed physics a year before and here he was sitting in the Showing his net in the yeah, advance. Like, I know, and I was thinking, 
Oh my gosh, you know, um, so what I tip I give to teachers around, how do you shoulder tap that talent? Mm-hmm. How do you sit down? I believed if those girls in that first year of physics had been, had been sat down and said, you know, I really believe your grades show you right. should be doing the more advanced subjects that they would have chosen it. But I often feel like young women wait for external validation before they yeah. decide to do it. They wait for someone to tell them, I think you should go for it before they go for it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so teachers can be very powerful in that. Yes, And so exactly. some shoulder tapping mm. and some encouragement to do that would be a very powerful way yes. to encourage more women. Mm. And Alexia, tell me, what do you, what can the women who are more advanced in their careers, who have been in leadership roles, what can they do to support your purpose and to ensure that young women coming through have role models that they can aspire to, who they can relate to? Because sometimes, you know, in my work, I hear women going, well, you know, these these role models, sometimes they're just either, you know, catwalk models and they're just so rich and they all have five, you know, their lives I can't relate to, or the people I don't really like or rate. So mm. who can I be uh, when I can't see what would really connect mm. with me? What do you need from women who are already well into their careers? So I believe the first thing would be to reach out to young women in their lives yeah. and have conversations with them and i really encourage i and this is what the research shows it's so powerful to have conversations around gender equality mm-hmm. sit down and, and don't feel afraid to talk to them about the statistics talk to them about the experiences that you've had both positive or negative in the workplace and, and really foster that conversation uh, give them the permission to be ambitious and it's something that's really important here in New Zealand where we've got a huge tall poppy culture but actually sit, sit down with them and encourage them to be ambitious what what's your dreams what impact do you want to have and then even push them how can you just take that to the next level mm-hmm. how can you be just a little bit more ambitious and support them with that uh, you know make sure there's no shame around being as ambitious as, as possible yeah. uh, and then I think third would be to be really open and supportive of um, of gender equality you know I really admire women leaders and, and CEOs who actually use that as a um, use that as a platform to, to speak about the the importance of that actually both men and women leaders I, I deeply admire actually use their platform to, to challenge yes, yes. and use that platform to inspire others and um, you know you hear of the odd you know female CEO who refuses to ever speak at a woman in leadership event because she doesn't want that to be associated and, yeah. I, and I know of a few of, I've, I've heard that, that, that they don't want to do that um, but I, I, I reckon that's a shame. You know, yeah. I think they... It's a I've, lost opportunity. Yeah, and I've been inspired by so many women CEOs. Even when I was young, you know, they were always my inspirations. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the pop stars. It was the, yeah. you know, the awesome, strong world. So don't underestimate the powerful impact exactly. you be making for exactly. young women through your own role modeling yes, and support. So, so powerful. You know, I when I talk to women about who inspired them, they always say, oh, there was this... You know, a woman who was further down her career path who actually took me aside and, and gave me some sort of yeah. equality from woman, um, sorry, a conversation from woman to woman and, and supported me. Yeah, and it made a huge difference. It made a huge difference. Great. Look, Alexia, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Um, I you. wish you all the very best with Girl Boss New Zealand and beyond. It's such a pleasure and for amplifying and realizing your purpose. So thanks for all the great work you're doing. And Alexia Helbertidou of Girl Boss New Zealand, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Penny. 
Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. If you're enjoying our conversations, do subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and stay in touch. Penny at pennydevolk.com. Bye for now.